Pego. Hello and welcome to another episode of Ferris 64 with me, your host, Yemi the Ferret. Ferris 64 is, of course, the uh, one-stop shop for video game news, occurrences, first impressions, game sh gaming showcases, and oh so much more. Today, we got a fully packed schedule for you. We're going to go over most of the stuff announced at Gamescom. Well, I'll say a, a, a good portion of stuff announced at Gamescom. Of course, I can't, uh, you know, I, I didn't watch everything, but um, over all the stuff that I watched personally. Um, and then, uh, yeah, we'll get into some new game releases. There was a bunch of games this week that came out that I want to talk about. And we'll get into some news and some stuff that's coming around soon. Uh, just a heads up, if you're expecting Armor Core 6 in this episode, uh, that's going to be delayed until next episode because we had a crazy storm uh, this past week. A tornado touched down in my area and knocked out the power at uh, my local Best Buy. So I was not able to go pick it up, and um, they're estimating that the repair on the power is going to be like an all-weekend kind of thing. So I switched it over to shipping instead of store pickup. So it'll be at my house eventually this week. Um, but yeah, just an unfortunate circumstance. Uh, no one was injured or killed, which is great. But um, yeah, just a unfortunate thing. But we we have plenty of other games to talk about. So let's just get right into it. With the first part of the show, which is what was announced at that game showcase. All right. Gamescom opening night happened. And, and you know, it was a pr it was a pretty good time. Uh, there was only like one section during the um, the whole thing that I was like, oh. You know, it was like, uh, it's the anime hour, <laughs> so you kind of like, I kind of zone out there, but it was a pretty good showcase altogether. It started off with Starfield. Get it? Started off with Starfield. Haha. Uh -huh. It was a cinematic, or I guess it was live action, I guess. Um, so I, uh, I, I, I did not realize it was live action all the way through, but, well, I mean, obviously there's a bunch of CG and stuff like that, but essentially it shows uh, Astronaut saying goodbye to his kid and going exploring the universe and then he eventually returns home and apparently his child did not age a year <laughs> i guess that's how it kind of works in in this universe uh people don't age when you leave their planet and come back millennia later um but uh todd howard then came onto the stage and talked about uh i don't know he, i mean I don't know if he really said much of anything, honestly. He was just talking, he was just kind of risen up the game, I guess you could say. Um, just kind of talking about how it's going to be one of those, one of the, one of the greatest uh, Bethesda games ever, you know. I mean, the game does look good. I, I'm very excited to try it out. It does come out um, this coming week, right? Uh, next, next week. It comes out next week. After this week. Uh, but yeah, it was a fun time. Um... I enjoyed the talk that Jeff Jeff Cayley had with him, and 
it's uh it's looking to be pretty exciting. Um, we'll have to wait and see until we get our hands on it, of course. But uh, yeah, it looks like it's going to be a huge game. I think that there was a, I think I think it was um Phil Spencer who said that he had already played like 120 hours and he hadn't reached the end of the game yet, which is a bit of a daunting thing, honestly. But uh, yeah, that, that's kind of crazy. Um, so early access starts on September 1st, which I talked about last week. The full game launches September 6th, just as a reminder. Also, right before they talked to um, they talked to uh, what's his face, <laughs> Todd Howard. Uh, some person tried to bum rush the stage and wanted GTA 6 news or something like that, and I believe it was a YouTuber. Him and his friend went on stage. And of course, they both got escorted off. I mean, it's not. I mean, I don't know why they did this. It's not funny, you know. Like asking, you know, asking for GTA Six. Bill Clinton wants GTA Six. It's just, it's not funny, and it just kind of ruined the vibe for the first like section of the show. But it eventually, it 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 got back on track pretty quickly. Um, I I think that I mean, obviously, I think Jeff Cayley had like he had to have invited all the people, or maybe well, I don't know. Because I'm not sure how it works. He he probably invites most of the people, but there's also you can buy tickets for the event. So I'm, I'm guessing they bought tickets and, and, and arrived there. Um, some people are claiming, oh, it's a stunt. It's a it's a joke. And it didn't seem like a joke to me, especially with uh, Jeff Keighley's response afterwards and how, like, immediately when he saw the guy on stage, his face, like, turned into a frown. You know, it's, it's hard to... I mean, unless Jeff Keighley is an amazing actor... It's hard to get those emotions um, in a fake setting. So, yeah, I just uh, wanted to touch on that. I'm not going to go over who it was or anything like that. It was just a, it was a really dumb thing, and it wasn't funny, and they should feel ashamed of themselves. All right. Um, Zack Snyder came on stage and talked about Rebel Moon, which um, I believe it's a, t- a two-part uh, movie event or something like that, right? Uh, so Rebel Moon Part One had a trailer, and then they he talked about Part Two, uh, and then he also talked about how there's going to be a game based on the movie or series. No, it is a, it is it's a Netflix movie. Uh, so I, I I'm guess I mean I, the way he was talking about it, it sounded like it's going to be kind of like a narrative adventure, like a Telltale esque type thing, uh, where you can choose the fate of people and stuff like that. So uh, we'll wait to see more about that. That's that's very far in the future, apparently. Um, Rebel Moon Part One: A Child of Fire is going to release on December twenty second, and then Part Two is going to be on April nineteenth, twenty twenty four. So uh, no information about the game exactly. Just we know that there is a game coming. Call of Duty: Modern for Three showed off its uh, first level, I guess. So I guess this level is technically the first level in the game. They showed off a bit of the cinematics and a bit of gameplay as well. Unlike the reveal trailer that pretty much only showed off cinematics, this one actually had gameplay along with it. Obviously, the game looks beautiful. It's a very graphically intensive game. It looks great. Uh, The one thing that I talked about last week that I will reiterate here is this looks more closely related to the original Modern Warfare 2 than than 2022's Modern Warfare 2. Uh, Modern Warfare 3 is definitely more closely related to that original game because the whole first level is set in the Gulag, which, if you don't recall from Modern Warfare 2, uh, was where you went in and you saved Captain Price from captivity and you took him out of there, right? Um, 
and that was a whole bombastic thing. You know, you did the oil platform, and then you immediately went into the gulag. And uh, this one, it's more of a stealth mission. Um, obviously, these new modern warfare games have been more stealth-oriented, less, like, like huge action set pieces, I would say. There's still moments like that, for sure. Um, <clears throat> but, you know, this was definitely a more held-back representation of the level from the original Monarch for 2. You know, you're going through uh, these walkways and through construction and you're, you're you know, shooting uh, guys before the captives can be killed, you know, stuff like that. So um, just like in the original Gulag from Monarch for 2, uh, you know, you, you grapple down the side railing. You know, the lights go out in this one, but there's people in the control room opening doors for you. And then eventually you get to a spot where it's like, and our, our mark's behind this wall, and you blow it up. So it's a little bit different, but also very reminiscent of that. Um, and I, I believe Roach is back in this game. I believe you're playing as Roach for sections of it because they did mention his name. So obviously... With the nostalgia-fueled bender that was Modern Warfare 2, this game is definitely taking that nostalgia and bumping it up to a maximum level. Every character's back. Every map from Modern Warfare 2 is back. You know, locations that you know and love from Modern Warfare 2's story are coming back. So, um, I this is definitely going to be a nostalgia-filled bender for most people, including myself. Um, it is going to be a fully priced game. It is $70, which... To me personally, I mean, does it have the content? Yes, it has the zombies, it has the multiplayer, it has all those new maps and more. Um, all your progress from the last game transfers over. Of course, you got the free Warzone 2.0 experience and this whole new campaign that's added on top of that. But uh, I mean, it's a it's a big it's a tall order. They're gonna have to really really sell me on this game with with future videos and stuff like that to really get me excited for it. Um, but I, I mean, I, I mean, the last game, Modern for 2 from 2022, I was very critical of before it came out and I ended up really enjoying it. So maybe I should just shut up and let the game do the talking. I don't know. But this is coming October, uh, I'm sorry, November 10th, 2023. They already revealed when the beta dates for the game are. Um, I don't believe this was during Gamescom, but I might as well mention it here. In North America, uh, on the... 6th of October, so if, um, yeah, so the 6th through the 10th of October, the beta is going to be happening, um, and it will be available at about 1 p.m. Eastern time, uh, in, in North America, so if you want to check that out, I believe you have to pre-order the game, um, and more information will be, uh, available October 5th during a multiplayer sweet uh, multiplayer showcase for the game so we'll we'll see we'll see what happens there alan wake 2 had a nice showcase as well um essentially they showed off that the game is going to be using way more live action than pretty much any game in their repertoire before before this it's definitely on on the same level as like quantum break is that what it's called um, that game had a lot of live-action stuff. Like, all the cutscenes were just live-action. But it seems like in Alan Wake 2, the live-action stuff will be solely kept to Alan Wake because we didn't see any of um, the other lady in the game. Um, oh, I forget her name right now. Uh, but we didn't really see any live-action stuff of her. It was all just in-game graphics of her. And then 
um, live action came when Alan Wake was around. So it's possible that the Dark Place is like the live action world. <laughs> it's hard to say. Um, so maybe eventually the FBI agent also becomes live action through the game. Uh, but yeah, they showed off some snippets of gameplay, some cutscenes. This game is looking incredible. Uh, if you don't recall, they pushed back the game a little bit. So now it's set to release a week after Spider-Man to kind of get away from Spider-Man. Uh, so October 17th is the new release date. Or I'm sorry, 27th is the is the new release date. And if you pre-order, it looks like you get a couple of new uh, outfits for the characters early and possible early access to later weapons that you get in the game, like a sawed-off shotgun, a regular double-barreled shotgun, and a revolver. So... Yeah, we'll see. That's the Deluxe Edition. That's the Deluxe Edition. I apologize. Um, so, yeah, if you want to check that out, um, looks like it's going to be pretty cool. Can't wait to play that. Diablo 4's second season, called Season of Blood, is going to add some vampires and a hunter companion. Uh, this is going to begin on October 17th. If you're really into Diablo and you've already finished Season 1, boom, bada, bing, they're already throwing you a new season right now. Uh, one of the new, the new hunter companion is named Eris, Ares, who is voiced by the Eternals Gemma Chan. Players will also be able to gain access to a new questline of vampiric powers, five additional endgame bosses, and more efficient inventory management of gems and more. So um, I believe that you need to buy the season pass to get... Well, actually, I'm not sure. <laughs> is there a season pass associated with this? I'm not sure how it works in Diablo exactly. I, I believe that there was a season pass for season one, right? But season of blood should be available to everyone to play. And if there is extra stuff, it would be um, put in on a season pass. I'm not sure, actually. Um, all right. Anyway, Mortal Kombat 1 had a huge reveal. Not only is Sindel back, which is actually probably bigger than General Shalk. <laughs> Shao, General Shao Kahn. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, but uh, yeah, Sindel is back. Motaro is back. Um, just like crazy cool stuff happening here. And I like how these characters are, you know, obviously Shao Kahn was like a big bombastic character in most of his games. You know, uh, Mortal Kombat 11, Mortal Kombat 9. You know, you think of any game with Shao Kahn and what do you know? <laughs> He's like a big, relentless kind of general who can't be knocked down easily. Well, they turned him into a more of a... He's more human now, so he's he, he's not he's probably not going to be invincible almost like the other ones. And then Sindel, uh, she's back and alive. Obviously, they reset the timeline. Um, and uh, yeah, she's in this game. She has her general hair-whipping attacks and stuff like that. But yeah, I think even bigger than that is Motaro is a cameo character, which is pretty crazy. Um... I, I love the idea of bringing back some of these more obscure and weird characters, you know, and uh, that that's one of them that I really was hoping to see in this game because, the, oh, the last time we saw this was in, um, or we saw Motaro was in Mortal Kombat 9 and he, like, got decimated in, like, a cutscene, so, you know. Um, they also showed us a brutal, uh, maybe not brutalities, but, like, those um, fatal blows, and one of them was for Sindel, and she, like, picked up Raiden and uh like sp like made him do the splits midair and like cracked his balls in half or something like that or maybe it was a fatality no it looks like a final blow yeah it was a final blow but yeah the, pretty pretty brutal <laughs> pretty brutal 
Um, of course, they always end with a with a fatality. So this one has Sindel ripping the spine out of Shao Kahn, which is you know, uh, which is obviously a more kind of a staple. You know, they got to have the the spine and skull being ripped out, which still looks very impressive. And they also showed a little bit more of the story. Um, you know, Liu Kang is obviously the new Raiden. So Raiden is the new Liu Kang in this one, which is kind of, I like the reversed roles. We'll see how it plays out in the actual game. But um, very excited for this. Uh, that, that come, This comes out uh, next month. Very excited. Speaking of fighting games, they also showed off Tekken 8. And the release date has been revealed for the game, which is pretty cool. They also talked to, I believe, the creator of the game as well, so that was a very nice discussion with them. Uh, this is going to be available August... I'm sorry, pre-orders are beginning on August 22nd. The game is going to be available next year, January 26, 2024. And if you pre-order the Deluxe Edition, um, of course you get uh, some uh, a free playable character. Uh, you get some... I don't know, little chibi toy kind of looking guys. You also get a 32-character gold suit con uh, cosmetic pack, which is pretty cool. And then there's also an Ultimate Edition that comes with all that, uh, plus the character year one pass and avatar skins for your avatar in-game and classic Tekken t-shirts for your avatar in the game too. So there's like these little me characters that are running around for... What looks like almost a, an identical thing to Street Fighter's uh, arcade mode as well, where you kind of like can mingle in a crowd of people in an area and battle each other. Um, looks kind of similar to that, except you're using like Xbox or me kind of characters, Xbox avatar me kind of characters. Game is looking really good. Um, I know a lot of people love Tekken because it's such a technical fighting game, and this one looks like it's going to be just as well designed, you know. They they brought back fan favorite characters. Looks like there's some new ones in there as well. Very exciting. We'll we'll can't wait to play that next year. Assassin's Creed Mirage uh, had a gameplay trailer. Um, this one was it, I I would say it's more of a story trailer honestly than a gameplay trailer. But I digress. Um, it showed off uh, just like the the world that you're going to be exploring. Um, obviously Baghdad uh, was. Um, a, a pretty interesting city back in the day, and I'm, I'm sure it's still an interesting city now, don't get me wrong, um, but, you know, it's one of those places that doesn't really get explored too much, you know, um, especially in, like, historical stuff, context. So, but you'll be playing as Bazim, of course, and, you know, you're, you're fighting a secret order, and, yeah, that, <laughs> I don't know what else to say. Um, it, it was a pretty good trailer. It didn't really show off, like I said, it didn't really show off gameplay. It, it, it was more of a story trailer, honestly. If you want to check that out, obviously, you can go to Ubisoft's YouTube channel. Cyberpunk 2077 Phantom Liberty. They talked about all the new stuff coming to the game, plus a little bit about the new area that you'll be exploring. Uh, they've confirmed that, like, instead of, like, you know how in the in the original game you could, like, mod your body and it was kind of like bare bones almost? In this in in this update, it seems like they're changing that to allow you to kind of use skill points to upgrade and stuff like that. So, looks like there's going to be like new skill trees and stuff that give you new abilities, which is pretty cool. Um, they've also added the arm swords. I believe that wasn't in the original game. Uh, this was something that they that was shown off like in the original teaser trailer, which is pretty nice. Um, so you're going to get a new district to explore, dozens of new story quests and gigs, vehicle combat, so there's actually mounted guns on your gun, on your, you can put mounted guns on your car now, which is crazy. The police system has been completely revamped, which is nice. AI has been overall overhauled, 
<laughs> um, dynamic events and missions that are endless. Obviously, I already talked about the redesigned cyberware and perks. Uh, and the skill tree and abilities, increased level cap, and 100-plus new items, including weapons, cyberware and, cyberware, and fashion. So this is definitely not a small update. And all this update actually launches a little bit before the DLC comes out. I believe the DLC... Yeah, the DLC comes out... Um, September 26th. And, yeah, looks like it's going to be pretty good. So definitely going to check that out. S Sonic Superstars finally has a release date at Gamescom. They announced that the game is going to be coming uh, October 17th. And if you pre-order, you get an exclusive Eggman Lego figure. Uh, it's He's also... Wait. Exclusive Lego Eggman in-game character skin. Acrylic display stand and reversible cover. So it is an Eggman Lego. So that's kind of fun. I, I like it when games do Lego. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, it's coming all pra all platforms. Um, once again, the game is, I believe, couch co-op only, so you can't go up, you know, on or you can go online. Okay, so it is couch co-op and local. I'm sorry, and online. Um, so that should be pretty fun. Uh, if you like Sonic, looks like it's gonna be a pretty good one. Hopefully, uh, we'll see though. We'll see. Oh yeah, also Sonic Frontiers, uh, they showed off a Final Horizon update, which is coming out. Uh, looks like they're adding new bosses and such to the game. New playable characters, new story, new challenges. Uh, that, I don't believe they gave a, a release date for that, but they, it is coming. Quantic Dream announced a new game called Dustborn, uh, which um, I believe it was. I think I believe it was talked about before, but this comes from the same people who did Heavy Rain and stuff like that. Uh, this is a narrative-driven action adventure game. This could be set in an alternate version of America. Uh, the game is described to be about hope, love, friendship, and robots. Um, players will be building relationships with their crew as they travel across the country and use the power of your voice to change the fate of characters, which is kind of kind of interesting. Um, so, like, you can use it, it's almost like uh, it's almost like Dune in a way, where you use your voice to manipulate people. Thank Goodness You're Here is a game coming from the people behind Untitled Goose Game. It's a very interesting like art style for the for the graphics. You know, it looks very uh, cartoonish, um, almost sticker book kind of esque. Uh, but it looks like it's going to be some sort of adventure game uh, where you use various things in the environment to to run around. It almost reminds me of like regular show in a way. You know, with the comedy. Um, but yeah, very, very interested. I'm very, very interested in this. Uh, it's definitely a, a eye pleaser along with being in general, a looking like a fun game. <laughs> uh, this is coming to Nintendo switch 2024. Little nightmares three was announced, uh, along with the trailer as well. So, um, this is going to be another co-op adventure, just like the second game. And this is coming from Bandai Namco, as you may or may not know, and Supermassive games. So, um, yeah, I mean, it looks like it's just a, it's another horror co-op adventure. The graphics are vastly improved from at least the first game and maybe the second game. I didn't play the second game yet, but yeah, it looks, I mean, the, the graphics look great in it and I it really like the idea of the two different characters. They, they look pretty cool. I like their designs and this is coming in 2024 and actually recently posted in the discord by Coco actually minutes before I was doing this segment, um, you can actually, it's going to come with a friend pass. So 
both of you don't have to have the game at the same time in order to play co-op online, which is a very nice feature. So, um, yeah, looks like it's going to be a good, good, good time. Uh, we'll we'll wait to hear more about that next year. Black Myth Wukong had a trailer for the first time in a while. Um, this was a game that was announced quite a bit ago. Um, it's like this uh, Chinese folklore kind of game where he plays like a monkey guy. It looks visually stunning. Gameplay, it, it, it's obviously like a Souls-like experience, um, but it's very flashy, kind of the same vibe as Wolong, Fallen Dynasty, possibly. Uh, but yeah, it looks really good. I, I really enjoyed the trailer that they showed off. I mean, obviously it was short, but looks looks pretty good. So definitely can't wait to see more of that. Uh, apparently there was a hands-on preview um, at Gamescom, which is kind of cool. Can't wait to see more about that. Marvel Snap announced that it's available on Steam. So if you want to play the game without the limitations of being on a phone, uh, you can actually play it on Steam now. You can add it to your library. Um, so it exited early access on PC, and now it's available in full. Uh, Second Diner celebrated the moment with an exciting new trailer. Um, I believe, it th are they adding Ghost Rider and Deadpool into the game? Because they've focused on them a lot. Also, Squirrel Girl was in there as well, so I'm wondering... Did they add the characters to the game, or were they in the game before? I don't know personally, um, but I guess it doesn't really matter. Warhaven had a release date trailer. Uh, this is essentially a medieval fighting game uh, where you... It's kind of like For Honor, I would guess. Um, they, they didn't show really any gameplay, just Cinemax and stuff like that. Uh, this game is coming September 21st, and it's actually a free-to-play game. So I'm guessing it's going to be kind of like a massive multiplayer. Oh, it's 16v16, so it's not massive per se. Uh, but it's a 16v16 multiplayer battle game. Um, seems to be pretty cool. Kind of, It's probably going to be like a third-person uh, uh, chivalry, honestly, but we'll see. Uh, there's a couple of anime games here. Grand Blue Fantasy Relink had a reveal trailer. This game's going to be released on February 1st. Um, so there you go. Uh, Nightingale. This is that game that was like the Mary Poppins experience <laughs> or whatever. Uh, it's like a, I think it's like a MMO kind of thing, a, a survival crafting open world. Um, the early access date is being pushed back to February 22nd. Uh, but you'll be a realm walker who travels through portals. Wait, I thought there was more anime games. Ah, this article's a little bit mishmash. Expeditions, a Mudrunner game. Uh, so Mudrunner is a pretty long-running series at this point. Um, essentially, you you just use these vehicles that are good for traversing harsh environments. And in this one, you actually are going out and saving people who are stuck in the world. Uh, so you use the right vehicle for the right job. And you try and save them. Looks pretty good, not going to lie. Uh, but uh, that's going to be coming next year, possibly. Stormgate had a developer update. Um, so it's a free-to-play game coming from Activision Blizzard, former Activision Blizzard developers. Um, so it centers on the Infernal Host, a demonic alien race that will join the human vanguard as a playable faction. I'm not sure exactly what this game is but um <clears throat> if you're excited for that there you go crimson desert has sparked a bit of controversy but it had a full gameplay reveal trailer at gamescom opening night it started off kind of mundane you know kind of being like oh it's a you know it looks like a maybe like a 
Final Fantasy, kind of like, you know, using magic along with medieval weaponry. And it just kind of got crazier and crazier as it went on. So you went from, like, helping a boy find a sheep to essentially doing things that you would see in, like, Tears of the Kingdom where you see, like, a floating city and you're going through, like, some sort of dungeon. You're climbing an ent. You're rebuilding structures. You're plowing through enemies you know this this big open area in the sky that has like multiple islands and you fall down to to the planet um obviously this has been in in, de- in development for quite some time so i don't think it's straight off ripping off tears of the kingdom per se because it has been in development for quite a while but th- th- maybe there is some tears of the kingdom um i don't know tears of the kingdom inspiration who knows <laughs> who knows but uh yeah, uh, no release date quite yet, but a pretty nice reveal trailer or gameplay reveal trailer altogether. Uh, Bulletstorm VR. This is coming to the PSVR 2, MetaQuest 2, and PS, uh, PC VR. Uh, the official release date is December 14th. Um, the game was first released in 2011, and I kind of had a mixed bag with it the latest time I played it, but it's still a fun game, and I don't know how the VR version is going to work. You're probably still going to have a button to kick, um, but it would have been fun to, for the game to sense where your feet are. I don't know. <laughs> uh, but yeah, December 14th on that. Um, Age of Empires 4 is officially coming to console on Xbox. Uh, they announced that the Anniversary Edition is what they're calling the Xbox version. So you can actually download it now on Xbox Series X, S, Xbox One, and through a Game Pass. Killing Four Three was announced, which was one of my favorite reveals here. Um, it kind of started out like, and I was like, "Oh, is this?" Uh, that kind of looks like the guy from Killing Floor, you know, one of the one of the big bad guys. And then they started like ripping open his chest and like implanting him with cybernetics and putting, you know, those those rotating blades on his hands. And I'm like, "Oh yeah, this is Killing Floor." So if it's as graphically impressive as it showed off in the trailer, I'm gonna I'm very ex- I mean I'm I'm excited either way, honestly, but. Uh, it definitely looks graphically a thousand times better than Killing Floor 2, even though Killing Floor 2 doesn't look bad, per se. Very excited about this. I put a lot of hours in Killing Floor 2. Even got the Platinum Trophy, which is not as hard as doing all the achievements on Steam or something like that. But still, very fun game. A lot of hours sunk into that. Uh, they showed off a trailer for Armored Core 6. Um, it was just a launch trailer. Nothing new that you probably don't already know. Uh, the last Epoch. Epoch? Epoch? Uh, this is like a, what? RTS kind of game where or maybe it's not maybe it's an MMO oh no they showed off that the the new MMO character who is like a rune master is going to be available in the game suit there we go uh, the crew motor face had uh, the crew motor fist had a quick trailer um, I mean it looks good you know for a car racing game it looks like a, it's on the same level as like a Horizon Forza game you know um, so that's going to be coming eventually, September. Oh, there's a free trial between September 14th and 17th. That was revealed. I believe the main, the base game comes out September 14th. Nice. So there you go. Uh, there's a Fort Solus launch trailer. I'll talk about that more later. Lords of the Fallen had a story trailer. I'm, I mean, you know, with these story trailers, there's not much for me to really talk about other than like, yeah, it looks interesting. looks cool. Obviously, um... If you don't recall from the last time I talked about this, you know, you, you like sift between the world of the living and the dead. It looks like immediately as you begin your adventure, you, your head gets cut off, kind of like most Souls games or maybe even FromSoft games where, you know, you start off and 
your character dies or something and you have to start from ground zero. So we'll see. Looks pretty good. Um, they also announced that uh, Lords of the Fallen has gone gold. So if you were worried about the game not coming out in time for the October 13th release date, it has officially gone gold. And if you pre-order, you'll unlock exclusive armor tints and some extra items for the game. Ah, here's another. Here's some more anime games. Genshin Impact. Uh, they're going to be doing a concert for the game, which uh, I don't know what that entails. Maybe an in-game concert. I'm not sure. Um, but there'll be melodies performed, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Honkai Star, Star Rail had an official trailer. Um, anime. That's pretty much what I see. It's a JRPG, obviously. So there you go. Zenless Zone Zero <laughs> I had a trailer. This is another anime game. Um, JRPG. Uh, looks like there's some goofy mini games snuck in there. And some wolf people. Yeah. Not really much else for me to say. Payday 3 had a nice trailer. Ice T is actually, I believe he's going to be in the game and he has a whole level centered around him, which is pretty fun. You know, Ice T's cool. Uh, they showed off a little bit of gameplay, though. Looks pretty slick. It uh, looks a little, bit, a little bit different than the Payday we know and love, but um, obviously the original Payday and Payday 2 had missions that weren't just Bank Heist. I think a lot of people just played the Bank Heist mission because it's the most, you know, recognizable one. Uh, but it seems like you go into, like, this um, cargo facility and you try and steal some high-value items from cargo containers, shipping containers. And obviously things ramp up as you get caught and stuff like that. So, yeah, that's uh, coming September 21st. Not too long. Delta Force had a gameplay trailer. I believe, um, what is this, a military shooter, something like that? Tactical military shooter, even though they give you, like, a bow and arrow and superpowers, it seems like. <laughs> it doesn't look bad. You know, the trailer, trailer looks pretty good. Homeworld 3 had a story trailer. Uh, this is, like, a sci-fi adventure... Um, yeah, looks fine. You know, it looks like it's like a ship battler almost, which is kind of cool. Love that. Uh, Man Dragora had a gameplay trailer. Um, this is like a 2D, um, I, I mean, maybe it's like a Souls-ish kind of game. Maybe it looks, it looks more akin to Trine, honestly, in my opinion, but, uh, it looks kind of good. That's coming in 2024. Warhammer Age of Sigmar Realms of Ruin has an official release date now. Uh, this is like an RTS game set in the Warhammer universe. Um, and it's, it almost looks like it's in line with, uh, like the Battle for Middle-Earth games where you have, like, commanders or special characters and stuff like that. You know, how you could summon in, like, Saruman and stuff like that. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, this is coming uh, da, 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 November 17th. Pre-order now. And then finally, Ara History Untold. Uh, this is a game coming to Xbox Game Pass, I believe. Uh, this is another kind of like, R maybe not like an RTS, but like a world-building kind of game where you essentially build up a civilization. It's kind of like Civilization, but not really Civilization, you know? It's, it's very close to Civilization in a way, but also very different. Um, you use like the, the, uh, you know, these, these people who are recognizable from history, like Alexander the Great and, um, um, oh, who's that Japanese? Nobu, 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 what's his name? Oh, oh, eh, whatever. It doesn't matter. Um, but yeah, it looks like, I mean, you know, 
it looks fine. You know, it, like I said, it's very, it's kind of Civilization-esque while not being Civilization-esque, you know. So, yeah, we'll see how that turns out. Uh, like I said, I think it's coming to uh, Game Pass, and it's coming in 2024. And that would be it for Gamescom opening night. A very good showcase. I enjoyed a lot of what they did. Um, there was only, like, one section where I kind of was like, oh, what the heck. <laughs> It's just, it was just it was just the anime hour essentially, which was not my it's not my it's not my forte, not my favorite genre. I uh, I would give this an A, very good, very exciting. After that, we had the Future Games Show, which had a good amount of games as well. A game called Outrage is coming around. This is like a hectic 32-player brawler where you can team up with friends or essentially just do PvP against everyone. Um, this is coming in spring of 2024. It'll be in Steam Early Access in spring 2024. So, it's yeah, it looks like it's a, it's a, it's a like, f fisticuffs kind of game. You can pick up weapons and stuff like that, but it's mostly based around you leveling up your character and becoming more and more stronger and beating more and more enemies. Blasphemous 2 had a launch trailer. I'll talk about Blasphemous 2 in a little bit. It was a good launch trailer. What else can I say? <laughs> uh, Parcel Corpse. This is a game that um, I don't know if I've talked about it before, but it is a very interesting kind of concept where it's kind of like, you know, if, if Death Stranding had Norman Reedus on a bike in a city, kind of like that. Essentially, you are going around delivering items uh, in the quickest way possible. Cause, so it kind of has like a mirror's edge kind of vibe to it where except you're on a bike obviously and you're grinding along rails and doing some basic tricks uh, but you're trying to find the the fastest way to get to your client you know your package to your client whether it be sliding under trailers or jumping along construction zones looks like it's, it looks like it's going to be pretty fun um that's coming soon not an official release date i believe it's coming in 2024 and yeah it's coming in 2024 the gap uh, this was a developer presentation, so there was some interluded developer com developer com commentary in there. But essentially, this looks like a first-person thriller, horror psychological thriller, where you are... It's weird, because it seems like one thing, where it's like, oh, you're kind of losing your memory, and you have to go through, sift through your memories. But it also seems like another thing, where it's like this sci-fi thing, where it's like, you're going through other people's memories, and then they mention something about, like, oh, an alternate reality, or something like that. So... Yeah, you know, seems kind of interesting. We'll wait to see more about that in the future. RoboCop Rogue City had a trailer. Um, kind of sold me on the game a little bit here. Uh, looks like you uh, just kind of go through a, a RoboCop-esque story where you're hunting down drug runners and stuff like that. And uh, I believe I believe the original voice of Murphy has come back, which is kind of cool. I really love that. It seems like um, not only do you have your smart pistol, but you can also use like some assault rifles and stuff uh, of, the, of that like. And uh, maybe even be able to pilot one of the giant bipedal robot dudes. Who knows? But um, yeah, it looks, looks very cool. looks great. It's not an on-rails shooter. <laughs> um, I know the original trailer back in the day when I talked about that looked like an on-rails shooter. This, it's not an on-rails shooter. Thank God. Um, so once again, this is coming soon. To PC and consoles, no exact release date yet. Gangs of Sherwood. I know, they, once again, they call this a gameplay trailer, but it's more of a story trailer. They didn't show any gameplay at all, really. This is the four-player co-op action-adventure game where you play as one of four Sherwood people. This is coming October 19th. Um, 
I mean, it looks, I mean, back when I originally saw the trailer for it, it looks okay. You know, I, I would definitely play through it with someone else if they so desired. It's like a action beat-em-up kind of game. Um, looks kind of stylish as well. If you want to check that out. AK Salato, kind of like Axolotl, AK Salato. Um, this is like a top-down shooter where you, I, I think it's also a roguelite as well. Um, you take control of an axolotl and you shoot your way through woodland creatures who are trying to kill you. Looks pretty good. Very enjoyable. It definitely has like that, um, enter the gungeon kind of vibe to it in graphics and also in like gameplay. Um, looks like it's gonna be pretty fun. So definitely gonna check that out when it comes around on September 14th. The Last Faith. Uh, this is like a Bloodborne, Gothic, Souls-like inspired kind of game in 2d uh very interesting graphic style i love the pixel art it's definitely like a dark and mysterious world there is a beta available for you to play right now if you want to check that out uh, the full game is coming in november a very interesting looking game under lab this is a new social deception game um, from the same people who did project winter don't know what that is uh, so essentially you are in a subterranean laboratory and you need to try and sabotage the other players so there's survival based hijinks with your friends coming to pc and console with a closed beta on the way i mean you know it looks fine you know it's, it's definitely a spin on like the among us full formula i guess you would say but not really among us in a way it's, it's definitely its own thing park beyond announced that it's getting its first dlc coming around uh, this is a you know, it's like a park building simulator kind of game. You can actually share your layouts and stuff like that with people around the world, which is pretty cool. Uh, the new DLC is called Beyond Extreme. Uh, it's going to be a new themed world with two new missions and two maps. And some new rides. The Inverted Roller Coaster. Two flat rides and four impossifications. Don't know what that is. Nine new building prefabs. Two entertainers and an whatever. And then 250 new decorative items. So it's definitely going to be a pretty nice, sizable DLC. Um, also, it seems like you get some sort of, like, T-Rex as well. Some robotic T-Rex. Also, a new patch is coming for the game that has performance improvements, reworked visitor flow, module building, improved module building, mission scope redesign, coaster revamps, and more. And the park and prefab sharing is new to the game as well, which is where you can kind of, like... Um, take a part of your park and then people can actually use that design in their park which is pretty cool so the dlc and update are both coming on september 29th uh during the future game show age of sigmar realms of ruin had another gameplay trailer i'm not going to reiterate and talk about that again uh europa this is like a studio ghibli inspired game where it's like a slice of life adventure you essentially are like going riding along gusts of wind in an open world to i don't know see what's around i guess you could say uh this is coming in 2024 but a demo is dropped it actually dropped during the show so you can actually check it out on steam right now warframe announced that they are finally coming over to switch i believe um and there's going to be more news on august 26 which already passed i'm not sure what they announced but um yeah there's apparently going to be a new season of content for warframe Symphonia, this is a 2D musical platformer, puzzle platformer. It definitely looks very stylish. Love the way that this one looks and sounds. Being a musical game, everything you do has a musical rhythm to it, so that's kind of cool. Love that. 
Uh, definitely want to check this one out. It's coming in 2024. Ad Infinitum had a cinematic trailer. This is a psychological horror game. Uh, this is coming on September 24th. I'm sorry, September 14th. I'm not really sure what exactly it is. It's a first-person horror game, obviously. Maybe in the same vein as, like, you're in, in, you're, um, in um, Amnesia's. Um, but, uh, yeah, it looks interesting. Interesting to see what that's all about. And then finally, Tormented Souls 2 had a reveal trailer. Uh, this is a follow-up to the original Tormented Souls, obviously. This is coming to PC and console in 2024. You'll take the reins as Caroline Walker, who returns to a sinister mansion or something like that. A survival horror game. And that was the end of the future game show. Um, yeah, I mean, it was a pretty good show. I mean, not as not as awesome as Gamescom, but it's still some good reveals in there, some good stuff in there. I, I'll give it a B. It was pretty good. Oh, I forgot about Pacific Drive. Uh, Pacific Drive also had a story trailer, uh, which was actually really interesting as well. Um, they showed a bit more gameplay, obviously, but, uh, you know, essentially they talked about how the, the car is, like, going to be sentient or something like that, uh, or has some sort of sentience to it. This game looks awesome, but it's been delayed until 2024, so we have to wait a little bit longer to check that out. Also, Xbox had a couple of streams during Gamescom. I'll just go over quickly the stuff that was shown off. Uh, so we had uh, Stalker 2 gameplay. Looks as cool as ever. Um, still kind of crazy. You know, there's like this room full of bubbles that the guy walked into at one point. Um the graphics look amazing, like, actually incredible. Um, they also show that there's, like, these orbs that you can, like, throw things into, and they, like, disintegrate whatever gets thrown into them. Interesting, I guess. <laughs> Very cool. Can't wait to check that out. Uh, they announced this is going to be coming quarter one of 2024. Just This was a game I talked about a few episodes ago. Uh, it's a lock, rock climbing game. Obviously, there's more to it than just climbing rocks or you know mountains um so there's you know stairs to climb as well but there's also these like goofy things like moving vines that you hold on to um it looks like the climbing system is kind of cool too so I, I definitely am interested in checking this game out it's coming to xbox game pass on october 31st um i love the graphic style it's kind of like a shell shaded kind of graphic style um, but yeah that's coming to xbox and game pass october 31st Citizen Sleeper 2 had a developer showcase, um, kind of talking with the creator of the game, talking about how he built it from the ground up, role-playing, and he also talked about how it was inspired by tabletop RPGs. Um, get a ship, find a crew, and keep both running as you navigate the shifting landscape of the Starward Belt. And finally, for... Well, I guess not finally. Uh, Pigeon Simulator was shown off. Uh, this is a new game coming from Tiny Build and Hack Jack Studios. It's coming to the Xbox Game Pass as well. It's essentially Goat Simulator, but you're a pigeon. You can shit on anything that you want, eat anything you want, grab anything you want. Um, it's one of those games that it really has a... It has its own kind of niche to it, you know. I think it's going to be kind of goofy, but I don't know if it's a game that I'm going to really play for a long time. But, yeah, I'll try it out, especially if it's on Game Pass. The next day, SteamWorld Build had a reveal trailer, and they also revealed that it's coming to Xbox Game Pass as well. Uh, and it's also being launched on December 1st, which is pretty crazy. Um, so I'll definitely be playing this on Xbox Game Pass. 
Um, yeah, you know, I've already kind of gone over it, but it's a city building kind of game. Definitely different than anything else that Steam World has done before. Um, there's the top part of the world, which is like a city manager, and then there's like the underworld, which is you know using uh, like mining techniques and stuff like that to uh, explore around the underground, fight some bad guys, and mine for resources. Worldless. Uh, this is coming October 4th. It's a 2D action platformer, um, which has some kind of interesting combat. Uh, it's it's kind of rem- it kind of reminded me of like an Ori and the Will of the Wisps kind of thing. Um, and also the character design kind of looks like the DNA guy from Jurassic Park <laughs> uh, a little bit at times. Um, yeah, I think it's, yeah, it looks, it looks pretty cool. I love the graphic style. I think it looks pretty, pretty nice. Um, but this is coming October 4th across all platforms. Uh, they announced that Broken Sword Shadow of the Templars is getting a remaster or something like that. Um, essentially this was a, I, I think this is a pretty old game where the original art style was like that cartoony, almost like, like Samsung CDI <laughs> looking kind of graphic style or animation style. Um, it's an, it's a, it's a adventure game. So this is being remastered. They're calling it reforged, but it's going to be like a remastered version for console PC and mobile, which will release in early 2024. Um, but along with that, they announced that there is a new chapter or a sequel to the game coming called Broken Sword Parvisial's Stone, uh, which is, of course, going to be a new uh, super TD visual approach. Um, so the game, I mean, the graphics, eh, eh, not my cup of tea, I would say. The voice acting, eh, very old school voice acting approach. The character design doesn't really match the character who's talking kind of thing, you know. Uh, but essentially, you're going to uh, reunite George and Nico, who apparently are from the first game, and you'll be embroiled in a terrifying conspiracy about Nazi treasure hunters, brutal medieval histories, and quantum physics. So that's 2 it, it doesn't have a release date yet, but they announced that. Um, and then Age of Empires 4 is getting a Sultan's Ascend DLC, which is going to be the biggest expansion release for Age of Empires 4, coming soon, packed with tons of content, take players to the Middle East. The next day, the final day here, um, they announced that Sea of Thieves: Legend of the of the Monkey of Monkey Island is coming out October thirty first. That's very soon. They also talked about still um, still wakes the deep, which which uh, is like an underwater adventure game, um, which looks pretty cool. They also announced that Headbangers Rhythm Royale is coming to Xbox Game Pass day one on October 31st, which is like the WarioWare-esque Battle Royale kind of game. Pretty cool. And then they finished it off with a Hellblade 2 um, kind of uh, developer commentary. Not really a commentary because they didn't really show any gameplay, I guess. But they kind of went, went along some of the development process of the game. It was interesting. I'll give it that. Um, but... Um, you know, in terms of, like, seeing new stuff about the game, not really too much in there. But, yeah, you know, kind of a decent showing, I guess you could say. All in all, the Xbox three-day stream event, fine. <laughs> I'm not going to rate it, but it was fine. Here's some other stuff that was uh, kind of shown off that I personally found interesting. Hellboy Web of Word. Not weird, it's Web of Word. 
has an official release date now, and they showed off a bit more of the gameplay. Uh, this is coming October 4th. So once again, October, huge month for gaming, even more so than usual. Uh, so Web of Word coming October 4th. Um, looks really good. The only thing I'm concerned about is enemy variety. I watched a gameplay trailer, and it didn't really show off. I mean, they, they went through, like, the first area or something like that. And then also this trailer, which, you know, maybe there's a few more enemies in there that I didn't notice before. I'm just I'm just concerned that maybe there's going to be a bit of a um, an enemy variety issue with the game. But, eh, you know, we'll, we'll see. I'm, I'm interested in playing it. Obviously, it looks very cool. It's kind of like a roguelite in the style of Hellboy's uh, comic book, which is really awesome looking. So, yeah, we'll go from there. Uh, Return to Moria had a extended gameplay showcase. It looked very dull, I'm going to be honest. It's definitely in the same vein as a Minecraft-type game, except based in the Lord of the Rings universe. Um, the game has been delayed to 2024 only on Xbox, which is kind of cr- which is kind of weird. The game will be hitting PC and PS5 on on October 24th and December 5th for physical copies, which is weird. So, um, yeah, I, I mean, the gameplay didn't look great. Uh, I, I'm not interested in this game almost at all. I mean, there's some fun visual stuff in there, but for the most part, I mean, it's not my vibe. Not my vibe. Assassin's Creed Jade. The official name is Assassin's Creed Jade. I know they said codename Jade before, but it is Jade. Uh, This is the phone game that is coming soon. Uh, You can actually register to participate in the second closed beta on Apple Store or Google Play. Um, The one thing that I want to say is like, yeah, I mean, for a phone game, this is looking pretty impressive. It's probably going to eat your battery, though, especially if it's like a fully open world adventure game. The other thing, though, is that Google Play is coming to PC in in a, in a way, Google Play Beta. So if I can play this game on my PC, that would be great because I don't want to play an entire game on my phone. I think there's a lot of people in the same boat as me. But also, I mean, phone gaming has been quite uh, popular for the past couple of uh, years, I would say. So, you know, I think it looks good. All things, you know, all things... whatever I'm trying to say, all things considered, for a phone game, Assassin's Creed game, being developed at the same time as Assassin's Creed Mirage, like, I did stress concerns last time I talked about Assassin's Creed in general, which is like, yeah, I think they're maybe oversaturating the market right now with Mirage, Jade, there's Hex coming out eventually, and there's also that, um red one, the Japanese one that's going to be coming out as well. Um, so I think maybe they're pushing Assassin's Creed games a bit t- a bit too much at this point. You know, we just got done with like the final Valhalla story DLC pack or whatever it is, season pack. Um, and I like that there was only, you know, for, for a while there was like Assassin's Creed Valhalla was the Assassin's Creed game for the time. And even though it wasn't my cup of tea for the most part it was way too big expansive whatever it was still a good game but not like totally my thing um i appreciated them kind of having a more laxed release schedule and now it's like okay we got mirage we got jade we got hex we got you know whatever you know and i think that they need the oh they got the vr game too they need to kind of slow down a little bit but um this looks good i will definitely try it out if not on my phone hopefully on the google play store for pc and finally, for the Gamescom reveals that I found notable, Scorn officially has a release date on the PlayStation, and that's coming the 3rd of October. 
This is a first-person horror game. It actually has a lot of Souls-like mechanics that I was not expecting. It's very gruesome, brutal, I would say. Visceral, maybe? Uh, so if you want to check that out, it's officially coming the 3rd of October. It was a decent game. I just kind of fell out of it because it was just a very... It was it wasn't I mean it was one I didn't like the combat at all I thought the combat was bad, um, and two it was a very confusing map layout for a, for like the first half and I just kind of got burnt out and then the combat started to come around and I was like ah I'm not enjoying this so there you go what did you think of Gamescom is there anything I missed let me know in the comments below uh, let's go ahead and switch over to the next part of the show which is what have I been playing this past week. Alright, we're going to start this off with the game that I actually finished this week. I played and finished, called Fort Solus. <clears throat> Which is funny, because I would call this Fort Soulless. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> the game does have a lot of soul in it. It has a lot of charm, don't get me wrong. Uh, so, Fort Solus, this is kind of, this is like a game that didn't really show off too much about it before it came out. We just knew that it had some high-profile actors and actresses. It looked great, you know, but we didn't really know what it was going to be until today or the day that it came out. And that was actually a detriment to my experience because if I if I had gone in expecting a pretty much a telltale game, but not really a telltale game, a bare bones telltale game, which doesn't even give you dialogue options, uh, then maybe my expectations would have been a little bit different. With the amazing graphics that this game is giving and the incredible performances that the actors and actresses give, you would expect this game to be really highly rated. But unfortunately, super good graphics and an, and an interesting and incredible acting and, and a good and an interesting story and incredible acting do not give this game enough oomph to overcome its mundane, slow gameplay with QTEs riddled throughout. The game is beautiful. Incredibly beautiful. Mars has never looked so good. The story, engaging, interesting. The atmosphere in the game, thick, very full of wonder and and like, oh, what's what? What am I gonna? What am I seeing? What am I looking at here? But uh, and I would say the story, you know, it has a lot of twists and I guess it doesn't really have a lot of twists and turns, but it has some really interesting ideas floating around that they don't really fully capitalize on and even the ending of the game which i only it only took me like five hours to get through it and i had to restart my playthrough which i'll talk about in a minute but um you know it kind of leaves you in like a weird place because like you have all these ideas floating around as to what actually is happening there you know you find scratch marks on a door or on a rock you know um they they're they're doing something with plants and you think oh maybe there's something with plants maybe there's zombies who knows uh, but in the end, it just kind of left you hanging a little bit, which was kind of annoying and disappointing. Um, but all in all, I think the story was good. I think that had a good build-up to it, you know. Yeah, but the gameplay is just, it's so slow. And it, when the game started out, I was like, oh, you know, they're just trying to build up some atmosphere on Mars. You know, you're you're trying to, you're, you're helping someone repair a radar dish or something like that. I, I kind of forget what exactly it is. And you go into your little buggy and you drive off towards Fort Solus, which issued a um, a um, alert. So you know you you head out there and 
you know, you're outside the facility and you're kind of meandering around and there's stuff in the distance that you think you can click on, but you can't, you know, it's just, it's just, it just says access denied when you click on it. It takes like a minute tops <laughs> to walk over there. And that's when I started to realize like, this is the game. This, this is going to be the game. You're going to be walking slowly from place to place. I so wish that they had either upped the speed of the characters walking or they gave you a fast walk option like later Telltale Games did. Because it just, it takes so long to explore and walk around. And I know, like, yeah, it, once you get into the facility, there's a lot more to, like, do and click on and see, which makes the walking less noticeable. But there's moments where, like, you kind of feel rushed or maybe you feel like you want to go back and explore areas that now, now I have level three access. Let's go and explore this area again. I'm, I don't want to do that because the walking is so slow. You have to walk through these areas again, and maybe you go to the wrong area, and now it's like, oh, I have a level 3x, but I need level 5. Or, oh, I can't actually go in here. Or, oh, I can't actually do this. And I just found myself wanting, you know, I want this game to be good. I want this game to be incredible because there's so much going for it. But unfortunately... The speed of the walking and the meandering that you do through these halls, like yeah, like sure, there's a lot of atmosphere. The soundtrack is great, kind of builds up the tension. But there's moments where it's like, damn, this is a long hallway. I wish I could walk faster, or damn, this is a really annoying QTE. I wish I could just skip this, you know. And it's funny because the QTEs, like they're so irregular and they pop up so irregularly you kind of got to keep your hands on your controller during cutscenes at most points because they randomly show up but they don't even have like a distinct visual flair they're just kind of like white and they show up randomly on parts of your screen at times they don't even have a sound prompt for you to be like oh there's a qta here so half the time i would miss my qtes and even then it didn't really seem to have a bearing on whether my character did something right or wrong uh, it seemed like they were just there to give you something to do while the cutscene was playing out or while the part of the game was playing, which is kind of weird, you know? Um, I, I don't, maybe I'm just really good at the game and I only missed the QTEs that were not that important, but it felt like I had missed a couple of them that I feel like, oh, this guy had an axe or whatever, or he was beating me up, and I, I feel like if I had gotten that QTE, maybe he wouldn't beat him up, but then... I, I remembered, oh, yeah, this is a part of the story where you get knocked out, so there's probably no other way that this can go. So for a game that feels Telltale-esque, it's a very linear path and very linear story. And another problem arises where it's like, okay, should I go off the beaten path? I walk so slow. Should I go over here that maybe is locked? I don't know. Or maybe there's another area to go to. The answer to that is most likely no. You should not go off the beaten path for most of your playthrough. And the main reason for that, not only is because most things are, un, you know, you can't be accessed anyway, uh, but I had a problem where I tried to go back outside at the beginning of the game, um, where you, you you first walk in the Fort Solus. I did all the, the whole chapter one, I, the whole chapter one. And I was like, oh, can I go back outside now and see what's around? So I walk through the doors after the cutscene plays. And I'm like, oh, I can't. So I walk back out, and I, I, I'm like, okay, the game probably saved, I hope. And I left the game to go do some errands and stuff. 
And I came back, and I was in the airlock that was between the outside world and the inside of the of the of the area. And it had soft locked me in there. I couldn't open the doors. Usually, you press A to open a door, or the door opens automatically for you. And it would not open. I could not get it to open. I reloaded the game, rebooted the game, reloaded my save. Nothing was working. I went on the Steam, and another person had this problem. They said I had to restart my playthrough. So essentially, I had to replay the first like. I mean, I I had really taken I had really taken my time that first time going through it because I was very interested in the world that they were building and all the things you could interact with. There was a Rubik's cube. There was a one of those old calculators that with the little um with the little like beads that you move back and forth you could play around with. There was multiple collectibles to find, like these little posters that you could find. There's a lot of different story beats and like audio logs you could listen to, which took me a while to go through. And on my second playthrough. Because I had to restart, I just blazed through it in about 15 minutes, <laughs> um, which I don't think is the way the game was intended to be played, but it's the way that I played it on the second time through because I got softlocked. So essentially, I waited until a cutscene ended, and that's where I would save and quit if I needed to save and quit. I essentially played through the game in three sittings. The first sitting was essentially axed because I had to restart my playthrough. Um, so it was technically two sittings. Um, and in general... Like, I enjoyed the experience. I thought that it was very cool. I thought there was a lot of good stuff going on, but it was not enough for me to be like, oh, yeah, woo, yeah. <sighs> Which I wish it was, because the game definitely deserved more. Like, the acting was phenomenal. The graphics are beautiful. The idea of the game is sound. But execution-wise, it just fumbles so hardcore. And it's just, it's unfortunate, because everything about this game seems like it should be amazing, should be excellent. But in the core place that this game should have strived to make better, it just falls flat. And that's like the majority of the game. And it's also a very short game. I mean, I think it's fairly priced. It's like 40 bucks or or something like that, which I thought was kind of fair for a game of this length and this graphical intensity. Like, there's obviously a lot of care and work put into this level, this, you know, the characters and the design of the game and the animations and the act, you know, all that stuff. But if you don't have a, uh, uh, an interesting gameplay loop or if you don't have some interesting gameplay in general, you're going to really start to lose a lot of people. And I am one of those I, – I was trying my best to really soak in the atmosphere and, and be like, yeah, this is this is cool. You know, I love interacting with all this stuff, right? But in general, it's just a very mundane and boring game laced with some QTEs that seem to be not really that relevant. And that's unfortunate. And I love the world that they're building. Like, this is obviously like a, a, a bit into the future, obviously, from where we are now. So you have, like, this, like, thing strapped to your arm that's like a screen. And you could like, diddle around with the, the map and stuff like that, which I thought was really cool. And you would plug in, like, these little SD cards into it to get the audio logs and save recordings and stuff like that. I thought that was it was a really cool design. You press RB on your controller to bring it up at any time and you could you could mess around with it. I thought it was a really cool idea and a really cool concept. And I was really wishing that they were going to do more with this little iPad thing that you had strapped to your arm, but unfortunately they didn't. It was it was really cool. I loved it, but in the end it was like whatever, you know. And there's other things exactly like that. There's like basic puzzles where it's like, "Oh, I need to press buttons in the right order" or something like that. And it's like they they could have done so much more with this and you know, there was, like, this guy going around who was kind of crazy killing people, and you kind of expect to, like, maybe have a section where you're trying to avoid him or running away from him or having, like, a stealth section where he, he's he's roaming around an area and you're trying to escape from him or, or do something to try and, like, but no, none of that ever happened. 
And that's where I, you know, that's that's where the game started to lose me. It's like as soon as there was really no gameplay, I was like, okay, I'm done. Well, I mean, I finished the game, but after I finished the game, I was like, I'm done. I'm not, I'm not replaying this or trying to get all the achievements. There's apparently two different endings you can get. Whatever, yeah, they're whatever. They kind of both end the same almost. <laughs> so yeah, in the end, I gave it a three out of five. It's just an average game. I think that like the stuff that's supporting this game the most is what I've already praised a lot, but the lack of gameplay really is a detriment to this game, and that just that shows in my final rating. Where yeah, there's just no gameplay. The QTEs are annoying, and they don't really seem to do anything, and the game does end on a bit of a weird note with some unsatisfying conclusions. So. That's that. If you want to check it out, wait for a sale on this one. It's worth playing, like, just to see the graphical fidelity alone and the acting performances alone. But other than that, it's a one playthrough, five-ish hour kind of experience. If it takes you longer, you're probably searching every nook and cranny, maybe going for 100%. And I tried to do that, but there's a point where it's like, I don't really want to go all the way back across this facility just because of how slow I walk. That's the reason why I don't want to go all the way back. So that's Four Solas. Next up, Blasphemous 2, the sequel to the amazing Blasphemous 1. And I gotta say, it's definitely holding up. Uh, so essentially, in, in the in the start of Blasphemous 2, obviously it's a very beautifully animated pixel art kind of game. There's some great cutscenes that have kind of like a more um, animated aesthetic to them. They're not pixel art, they're just regular animated aesthetics, which I thought was kind of like, ah, I wish they were kind of pixel art, but yeah, what are you gonna do? Um, but yeah, essentially the game starts you off and says, hey, here's three weapons you can choose from. Choose which one you want. There's a heavy hitting one that's a little bit slow. There's a blade, kind of like the original game. They can let you parry and has medium attack. And then there's also a fast rapier with a dagger that can hit fast and do some slick moves. And so far, the gameplay feels great, very satisfying. I chose the sword because I was trying to use the dagger and the rapier, and I was like, ah, it just wasn't hard-hitting enough for me. You know, the parry with the sword is like, boom, and then you do a counterattack, and it's like a massive hit, especially if you get the perfect parry. But with the blades, it was kind of like, ah, whatever. You know, it was like, okay, it doesn't really stagger enemies and stuff like that, so I definitely recommend starting out with the sword. Uh, because eventually, you, I mean, very early on, you do get the other weapons along with the sword. So you can switch between them at any time you want, which is a game changer, honestly. And each weapon has, like, its own set of puzzle elements to get through. You know, like, there's these little mirrors that you can bounce off of with the with the rapier, um, with the big gauntlet thing, or the big ball and chain weapon. You can break through uh, certain objects. And I think the regular sword is just, like, that basic, like, very, like... It's a universal weapon that I think anyone is able to kind of pick up and use and effectively. Uh, I've already gone past a few boss fights, and the one of them has been was kind of challenging. I had to kind of learn the patterns, which is how you kind of do most boss fights, boss fights honestly. Um, but you know, the, the game um, it feels a little bit different from the first one. Uh, if like the, your your character does feel a little bit more loosey goosey i guess i would say you know he's got more of a float aesthetic to him i guess kind of and you kind of expect this game to have a little bit more of a heavier character but it definitely made your character a little bit lighter moves a little bit faster um so it's it's yeah i, 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 I kind of got to get used to that a little bit 
But so far, I mean, you know, I've gone to, there's like three points of interest you got to go to on the map, and you can kind of go to them in whichever order you want for the most part. And, uh, yeah, I've, I've really enjoyed the mansion that you explored. There's a bunch of, like, fun enemy design in there. Um, some really challenging sections, too. There's, like, these little tiny dudes who do, like, these quick attacks. And they're so hard to tell when they're going to attack. <laughs> it was getting a little bit annoying. There's these ladies that throw fire spinners at you, which is hard to dodge sometimes when you're in combat. There's these dudes with candelabras who do like these big sweeping attacks and you know when they're mixed in with the little guys it can get really hectic so so far the game has delivered on gameplay graphics difficulty all that it's, it's definitely delivered on all of it um <clears throat> you know I, I really enjoyed the boss fights of the first game and this one does have some good ones in there so far but there's not been one that has been like oh, wow that i've expected from blasphemous one so i'm, I'm sure that it'll pick up as I go on. But yeah, I don't really have too much else to say about it right now because I'm still pretty early on, all things considered. Um, but so far, if you liked Blasphemous 1, this is definitely going to be a nice continuation of the series, obviously, with the new gameplay mechanics, how the character feels a little bit different, um, some new stuff to acquire and, and new characters to meet. Like there's these little wooden statues you can equip to your character to give you boosts. Obviously, the rings are back and the beads are back, too. Um, and, yeah, it just it feels great. It, it looks great. And uh, I'm, I'm very much enjoying it. So if you want to check out Blasphemous 2, I would definitely recommend that. I also played a bit of Immortals of Avium. This is the EA original. And for an EA original, I'm very impressed. It uh, feels good. It feels like a boomer shooter, shooter. So if you like games like Doom or Quake or you know insert Doom boomer shooter here, it definitely has that style to it. And it's a pretty it's a pretty unique kind of game where you use magic instead of bullets, and you can you pretty much have infinite magic to use, so you don't have to worry about collecting ammo. Uh, so essentially, your goal for the game is just to fight off these evil dudes who are destroying the world, and you become an immortal who is like the highest ranking or one of the highest ranking magic users. So you have like your base grunt kind of characters who they're just cannon fodder essentially for the battle. And you have like these people who use magic who are like the leaders who are obviously higher ranking. Um, and you are an immortal who can use all three of the magics to their high, to their best potential. So, you know, you kind of rise up the ranks in about, you know, in a five year span, you rise up the ranks and you start leading your own battalions and stuff like that. And you know the the um the world there's like a there's linear levels and sections and there's also like an open world kind of section and area as well uh, where you have to go back with different items to unlock new paths so it's kind of got like a Metroidvania vibe to it almost but you know it's still a first person shooter at the end of the day so there's a lot of enemies to fight and blast away with magic there's challenge rooms to do and platforming challenges as well you slowly get new abilities as you go through the story. Uh, so far, you know, graphically it looks great, but I've had some frame rate issues on the PS5, which is unfortunate. Uh, also, as I talked about during the reveals of the game, it's just, it's a lot of visual garbage. There's just so much happening on the screen at times. Different colors of magic, explosions, 
your character doing his own animations and and stuff like that. You know, you heal yourself with a by crushing a crystal, and you you get back your special ability by using a gem on your arm. And there's just like so much lightning and or I'm sorry, light and effects going on the screen. It's just like sometimes it's too much even for the game to handle, and it starts to kind of lag or the frame rate starts to spike. Which is unfortunate because I think the rest of the game is pretty pretty solid for the most part. I mean, you know, this is a it's a solid first person shooter so far that that definitely feels like a run and gun kind of experience. Um, you know, you have like a dodge ability, you have multiple spells to use. So the blue spell is like a long range sniping kind of thing. Uh, the red is like a shotgun blast, and right now I have a like a double barrel shotgun that has to be reloaded every single time in magic form. And then your green is like your machine gun, very fast shooting. And, of course, all of them have special abilities and stuff like that. And you also have, like, this whip that you can lash out and pull people towards you. You have, like, a grenade that slows people down. I mean, it's, it's, it's got a lot going for it. It's, it's adding stuff on really quickly. So the gameplay has kind of kept evolving as I've been going through the first couple of hours here. So I don't think this game is going to be for everyone. Um, obviously, uh, if you're not a fan of boomer shooters or, you know, whatever, you, you might not enjoy this one. You do have to get past, like, a really slow opening um, where it kind of just establishes the character that you're playing as, Jack, and his origin story. And it does take a little bit... It, it just seemed to drag on a bit at the start. It definitely has a slow start to it. But once you get, the, once you get all three of your powers and you start fighting in the war... That's where it really picks up and starts to become a really fun experience and going through like that mini open world, finding chests and gold and stuff like that to upgrade your weapons. It's all it's all fun in games, you know. Um, I, I do think that like the voice acting is okay. Like there's times where it's worse than other times, especially when like the 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 younger, you know, Jack is like a younger like almost teenage kind of character and like the dialogue is sometimes like really cringy i will tell you that much but for the most part i think that the story is fine and the character acting is fine i just there's moments where it's just it's a bit over the top cringy and you kind of gotta be like okay let's just move past this and the game does the game does move past it a little bit quick quickly i should say so you know, at least the cringe moments don't last forever. And, you know, as soon as the cringe moment happens and the game picks up again and you're back in the gameplay and you forget that it ever happened. <laughs> um, you know, for, for a game that's coming from EA, an original game from EA, like, it's it's very unique. It's very fun so far. Um, it uh, I, I, I did get a little bit bored while playing it, so I think that playing it in short bursts is going to probably be your best bet if you want to check this game out. Um, but it's a unique concept using magic instead of guns. It's a boomer shooter. <laughs> How many times am I going to mention that? Graphics look nice, uh, but the frame rate does dip at times, so there, there is a bit of a performance issue. I also read that there was some performance issues on, like, Xbox Series S and and um, other platforms where the, you know, the, the visual fidelity goes down a, little, a lot at times. You know I, know, I know there's, like, a meme of, like, oh, anything below 4K, gamers go, Ree! Like, a 1080p or a 720p is not terrible for a game to run at, especially a game that has so much going on like this one. But if it dips down to 480, that's where I start to scratch my head and go, maybe you should optimize this game a little bit better for all platforms. Um, but uh, from, my, from, from my experience playing on PS5, it it's, looks great, looks fine. It just runs a bit weird. You know, the frame rate is just a bit bad at times. <laughs> Which is not good. Uh, and also has some slowdown at times when think too much is happening on screen, which is 
you know, just kind of built into the game. You know, they, they have so much going on. But, I mean, they got Final Fantasy to run fine, so, you know, what's going on with Immortals of Avium? I don't know. Still, would I recommend this game? If you like fast, quick shooters and you want something a little bit different, a lot different, really, then, yeah, maybe check this one out. It's definitely a fun time. So, Immortals of Avium does get a thumbs up for now. I'll have to see how I feel about it in, you know, 20 hours when I finish the game. And finally, for new games that I've played this past week, Arrow a Row. Uh, this is a Steam game. It is a free-to-play game. And it's essentially like one of those games that you see on an advertisement on your phone, like a phone game where, you know, it's like the guy, he's shooting slowly and you go left and right and you pick up upgrades and stuff like that. And they're always like the games on the phones are never those game like they never do the gameplay that's in the ad. It's usually like a Candy Crush ripoff or something like that. But this game was like, the person who was behind this game was like, you know what? I want to play that game that's on the phone. And they essentially have done that. Uh, so it's a endless runner kind of game where you you play as like this guy who shoots arrows and you eventually ride a magic sword and you get upgrades as you go through. And depending on how your how good your build is, is how far you'll get in the game. I have found that the game is a bit unfair at times. Uh, I, I mean, there's there's runs that I've had where I've had thousands and thousands of health and the best fire rate and the best damage and I still get defeated. And I just, I feel like, yeah, the game is probably designed that way to keep you kind of like, oh, I got to go do that again, do that again, do that again. But the the core gameplay loop is, is fun, you know, just going left and right and shooting enemies um, who are mostly stationary. So it's not like super fun, but, you know, for a free-to-play game based off of a meme, it, it's worth playing, I think, especially because it's free. It's on Steam and it's free. Just give it a try, you know. If you if you if you don't vibe with it, then just you know uninstall it. It's like two megabytes, you know. Um, but for a game like like I said, for a game that's free to play, it's a it's like a parody, a, a meme kind of game. It's decent enough, and I think it works well enough. And whoever designed it, who was behind it, good work. I I feel like you really captured the essence of a ripoff phone a phone game. <laughs> so thumbs up, I guess. Maybe more like sideways, because it, it it does lose its charm after about 10 playthroughs or, you know, runs. And for other games that I've been playing, um, I actually picked back up Remnant from the Ashes with Greedy Waffles because Remnant 2 was such a bust, in my opinion. Um, I mean, it was, I gave it a 3 out of 5, but still, it's like, ah. So we went back to Remnant from the Ashes, which is the original game, and my god, the original game feels so much better. The dodging timing is so much better. The gunplay is so much better. The areas are so much better. Like it's 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 crazy and this this actually makes me think less of remnant 2 at this point because from the ashes so fun still so i'm gonna play obviously we're, we're playing through the game again but um yeah i mean it, it just it's it's kind of sad because remnant 1 feels so much better than remnant 2 it's kind of crazy but that's the truth and then uh we finally we finished Sniper Ghost Warrior Contracts on stream. Uh, this is a game that I wanted to test out my PC with while streaming. It seemed to run fine. 
run great even. Graphically, pretty good. The sniping mechanics, pretty good. Uh, the enemy AI, though, is really dumb and sometimes way too, like, observant, I guess you could say. Um, and there was also, like, a section at the end of the game that I was really getting frustrated with. But the rest of the game, I felt was fine. I, I enjoyed it. I like the open aesthetic of the levels, but I will say that Ghost Warrior 3 had a fully op open world map with objectives and bounties, etc. And I found that game to be much more enjoyable, uh, but Ghost Warrior Contracts was still good. I, I gave it a C tier. I thought it was kind of average um, because I gave uh, I gave Sniper Ghost Warrior 3 a 7 out of 10 back in the day, long before I did any of this. And I felt like I don't like contacts as much as that game, so I gotta give it a lesser score, which would be like a six, and I would put that in C tier. So, if you haven't tried it out, it's fine, but nothing too great in my opinion. All right, let's move on to um, the final part of the show, which is just gonna be what's in the news and coming soon, kind of jammed together, uh, because um, I don't know, just don't want to waste any more of your time. All right, so let's go ahead and do the jam-packed final part. What's in the news soon? <laughs> All right, Nintendo has confirmed that Super Mario Bros. Wonder does not have Charles Martinier, Marniette, Marnier, is that how you say it, uh, voicing Mario in the game. Um, and they actually did a full press release saying that Charles Marnier, Marniette, Marniette, has been the original voice of Mario in Nintendo games for a long time, as far back as Mario 64. Charles is now moving into a brand new role of Mario Ambassador. With this transition, he will be stepping back from recording character voices for our game, but he will continue to travel the world, sharing the joy of Mario and, and interacting with you all. It's been an honor working with Charles to help bring Mario to life for so many years, and we want to thank and celebrate him. Please keep an eye out for a special video message from Shi Shi Shigeru Miyamoto and Charles himself, which they will post at a future date. So that, that video hasn't come out yet at this point. But they did confirm that Charles is not voicing Mario or any of the other characters he voices in Super Mario Wonder, or the new WarioWare coming up. He's not voicing Wario in that game either. So all the voices that he's done for Nintendo include Mario, Luigi, Wario, Waluigi, um, and I believe a couple others that I don't recall at this point. But um, it's a very interesting because it seems like, I mean, he wasn't fired per se, but he was definitely let go from Nintendo, um, which means that he probably had a one-on-one... -on -one or something with with the head with the heads of Nintendo, and they just said, "Hey, you know, it's just you know, it's just you know, you're, you're getting too old for the character." And there's definitely a different the difference in the voice for the new guy who's doing Mario, but he seems to be doing fine. You know, I mean, what, what can you do? And Mario Ambassador, though, this is a weird way of saying, "Hey, he's just gonna be doing the press junket. He's gonna go around to to um, events and stuff like that." And just say hey and what's up. I mean, what what does Mario Ambassador really mean other than he's going to be signing signatures, taking photos with people? I mean, <laughs> spreading the joy of Mario around the world? Like, really? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, Charles will always hold a soft spot in everyone's hearts who played Mario 64, obviously. I mean, that, that was the first time that Mario really spoke or anything like that in a, in a video game. So, you know, he's definitely been a true leader in the Mario universe for quite a while. And obviously he's getting up there in age. So Nintendo was probably concerned that, Hey, he's, he's going to just start sounding too old, you know? <laughs> so we need to keep Mario sounding fresh and, and new. And obviously he's done a lot of, 
a lot of good stuff with the company, you know, voicing Mario for so many games, both voicing all the characters for so many games, you know, sports games, spinoffs, um, party games, uh, you know, all the different uh, mainline games. Like, uh, there's so many games that he voiced characters in, and it's sad to see him go, but it's kind of understatable seeing as he's getting older, you know, he's getting older, so, um, you know, he's just going to be doing the press circuit at this point, pretty much, and... Um, we'll see, we'll see what else he into, in, in, ends up doing. You know, he had a, he had a role in the Mario movie, which was nice. Obviously he didn't voice the main character himself, but you know, he, he was in there. He had a, he had a pretty prominent speaking section, I guess you could say. <laughs> uh, so more information will be coming October 20th in the future. So there you go. PlayStation has revealed the PlayStation portable and other accessories for it. The PlayStation Portable is going to be the new remote play handheld device for about $200, which I believe, I guess I was originally like kind of off put by that price tag, but thinking about it, it's probably fair enough, I guess. Uh, but they revealed that, the, that it's going to be an 8-inch LCD screen with 1080p resolution, 60 frames per second. The controller are going to be based on the DualSense, but will not provide, I'm sorry, they will, prov but they will provide adaptive triggers and haptic feedback. There will be a 3.5-millimeter audio jack, um, so you can put wired headphones into there, but there will not be Bluetooth functionality for the device. That will all be done through uh, the PlayStation Portable itself. So if you have PlayStation accessories like the new earbuds or the Pulse Elite wireless headset, you will be able to use those for headphones. If not, you will have to use wired headphones. There will be no Bluetooth technology in the device at all. Which is really stupid. <clears throat> Actually, really dumb. I really just did not enjoy that at all. Um, because Bluetooth is like, it's, it's just an essential thing that should be in most handheld devices at this point. Especially something like this <clears throat> that you're going to be using mostly around your house. You know, your, your PlayStation will have to be in like a sleep mode if you want to activate the PlayStation portal to access the hub and stuff like that. <clears throat> and... It's one of those things that's like, okay, well, you're going to be the only person who's going to be able to play on the PlayStation at the time. You're not going to be able to hook up, you know, a person with the PlayStation Portal playing the PlayStation Portal and someone on the PlayStation. Literally, no one is going to be able to use the PlayStation while the Portable is in use, which is just like so ass backwards, too, in my opinion. Um, you know, it's just, it's just, it's so, it's so crazy, you know, it's so, it's so fucking crazy. Uh, there, there's other handheld devices that do so much more than this that are priced fairly. You know, the Switch is one of them, you know. And I think the Steam Deck is pretty fairly priced, too, in my opinion. Uh, just like the Steam Deck, there is going to be little touchpads on the screen, though, that you can touch for the touchpad usage of the PlayStation. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, essentially, this is, I mean, this is going it, to, it's it's remote play. You're going to need to have good Wi-Fi in order to really utilize it to its full potential. I know that there is a market for something like this, for sure. Like, you know, there's going to be people who maybe don't have the TV to themselves 24-7. Or maybe they have kids and, and they need to play a more brutal game like God of War or something on their, you know, on the portable so that, you know, it's not, they, they don't see it. It's, you know, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> maybe a more private setting to play play games you know who i mean you know it's just one of those things though that's like this could have been so much more it could have been an actual like good device but instead it's just a peer-to-peer -peer remote play uh not even it's, it's just it's just it's not it, like it's literally just it's almost nothing <laughs> at this you know it's it's sure it's got some portability but you're not gonna be able to go to ho your uh, hotel 
in another state and play on your PlayStation from this thing with the Wi-Fi connection. Like, it's going to have a connection to your console for sure, but how good is that connection going to be? Probably not that good. Even people who have Wi-Fi in their houses, it's probably going to have some jittering, some lag, some whatever issues. You're just going to just going to wind up wanting to play on your console itself. Like I like I said, I know that there is a place and for something like this, but they definitely should have gone the extra mile with with this device. It just it just it's just it's just, you know, it's just kind of weird. I don't understand. So anyway, that's the PlayStation Portable and, you know, the other devices are going to be uh, you know compatible with it. The Pulse Headset Elite and the Pulse Explorer wireless earbuds, they will be compatible with it. Um, the Pulse Elite will be $150, and the Pulse Explorer earbuds are going to be $200, which is insane. So you're going to be buying the PlayStation Portable for $200, and then if you want a headset, you're going to be paying up to $200 more for it. That's absolutely insane. That's almost, that's, that's, that's only, I mean, if you buy them all, it's only $50 away from the VR headset. <laughs> which I thought was overpriced. God, I mean, this is just crazy. Uh, this is just, it's a lot of money for things that probably, I mean, sure, they probably have a good amount of newer technology in them, and they probably are really well designed. But $200 for earbuds is where I draw the line. And $200 for a portable device that's just remote play, nothing else, is also where I draw the line. I want to, like, PlayStation is still my favorite developer of uh, and console maker, obviously, you know, I, I talk pretty highly about them, but this has, this is not good. I'm not a Sony pony to the, to the fact that I will defend something like this. This is not a great price point for any of this stuff. I mean, yeah, sure. $200 for the PlayStation portal, not bad, all things considered, but still like there's not a lot going on in the, inside this device. And I'm very interested in seeing people take this thing apart and, and really, talk about it i'm not gonna be getting one myself of course i'm not gonna be getting the headset or the head earphones either so uh there you go um but yeah you know it's just it's just so crazy and at this point i'm wondering if they're gonna announce a playstation 5 plus or whatever in in the near future too for for half the price of a playstation 5 i don't know we'll see Speaking of Sony, um, God of War Ragnarok, seemingly there's DLC deep in development at this point. They've been hiring for new uh, employees for the development of something, uh, a third-person game. Uh, people are maybe expecting the campaign to be a bit of a standalone expansion to the title, or maybe just a DLC to the game, a huge DLC to the game. Uh, but it is it, uh, the, you know, the ending of the game does seem to set up a standalone Atreus adventure, which, I mean, is pretty obvious if you play at the end of the game or if you've been playing the game um yourself uh obviously we've seen some various standalone games like miles morales was originally supposed to be like a big was supposed to be a dlc the uncharted lost legacy was supposed to be a dlc even burning shores which is a dlc for the game is pretty sizable all things considered uh the person who leaked this information said the development is about 60 percent done and they expect it to be released next year um, which, you know, we'll see. I mean, obviously this is just, this is just a rumor, but you know, I have all the things we've seen with, you know, the studio hiring developers for a game and stuff like that. We'll, we'll have to wait and see, but, uh, yeah, you know, interesting idea to have a DLC based around Atreus. And if this truly is the final God of War game, which the dev was talking about back in the day, then yeah, I guess a standalone Atreus adventure would be the next step for the series. Moving on. 
Spasmophobia has been delayed on consoles due to a fire at their studio. Uh, in a Twitter or X, a tweet, an X, an X, <laughs> they said that uh, we'd like to thank you all for your support, and we're and we're just as excited as you are for the console release. Due to a recent fire incident at our office building and unpredicted development issues, our ability to test and develop the game has been significantly impacted. After careful consideration, we have made the tough decision to delay the console release initially set for August uh, while we get everything sorted. We are now aiming for a special launch during the week leading up to Halloween this October. This gives us the needed time to perfect and fine-tune everything. Your patience and understanding means everything to us. So, if I don't recall, there was a recent update for the game that launched that people have been praising. Um, and the console port of the game has been highly anticipated ever since the game launched in, in, on Steam. So, uh, yeah, it looks like we'll just have a bit of a delay there. But, um, once again, October, huge month. For seemingly no reason, every every game is in, is released in October. Uh, so yeah, um, I guess it's also gonna have VR support as well in uh, on the PS5, which is pretty cool too. So there's definitely a lot coming, and obviously Phasmophobia is still a pretty popular game. So we'll just have to wait a little bit longer for the console release. Phil Spencer said that he would love to find solutions for the Xbox 360 games being delisted in 2024. Um, in a I guess an interview or maybe even like a video he came out and was like, Hey guys, so there's a lot of games being completely delisted and that's sad <laughs> is essentially what he said. Uh, but here's the exact quote here. Um, he said, there's a list of 220 games that are not back compatible, backwards compatible. And I have that list and I've got it stapled on my forehead and like, how can we make sure that you can still play them uh, in the years to come? How many of those games are on PC? That's one thing, because this doesn't necessarily mean you need to be able to play them on existing hardware that you bought 15 years ago, but pre preservation is front and center with all decisions that are made. So essentially he says, like, hey, is the game on PC? If it is, then we don't care. <laughs> um, he, he continues to say, I will say for us that preservation that's linked to only one piece of hardware is a challenge, because there can be hardware love as well, people who love and want this device to do this forever. But mechanical things will break over time, but that's why we gave people with the decision. A, but that's why we gave people with the, this decision a year. Let's say, hey, if you want to go buy a game, buy things in the 360 store, we're gonna give you give it to you for. We're gonna give you a year head start, and you can go and get those things. And just know that the list of 220 games is something that we that we that we see, and we would love to find solutions for these games that continue to be able to play. So yes, there's a lot of backwards compatible games with the Xbox, and sure, there's a lot of games that ha are on are on 360 that are also on PS3, Wii, Steam, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And there are games that have been remade and re-released throughout the years too. But there's still a sizable chunk of games that have never left the Xbox 360, especially arcade games back in the day, like the South Park def Tower Defense games and stuff like that. There's a lot of stuff that remains in question, and this interview snippet is very strangely worded. Like, he doesn't seem to be fully articulating thoughts because the, reading this is like reading a freaking Captain Underpants book. Um, but essentially, yeah, he's just like, hey, you know, it's sad, but that's the facts. And it's like, okay, if you're so concerned about the, you know, just keep the store up then. Like, yeah, I mean, essentially he's saying it's sad, but, you know, we're giving you a year to go and buy games on the store, so go buy them if you want to keep them. You know, it's like, okay, dude. <laughs> All right. I like Phil Spencer, but this is a this is a pretty, I mean, this is a pretty jumbled take, in my opinion. 
Um, of course, you get a year to go and buy the games that you want to buy on the store. whoop de doo But, you know, there's a lot of people who maybe don't have that access or maybe they don't want to, you know, I don't know. Obviously, there's there's a thing to be said about, like, preserving games and, like, stores being shut down. And, you know, maybe if people did go out and buy the games that they wanted to, maybe they, they wouldn't have the risk of closure. Um, and in the end, it really is like a thing that's like, okay, how how well is our game selling on the 360 right now? Probably not that great. You know, obviously there's a lot of games that are physical on the 360 because the digital storefront was pretty new back in the day. But it's one of those things that's like, okay, go buy those games. You know, why have you waited this long to buy those games? I mean, sure, there's going to be a lot of outrage and maybe it's justified, maybe it's not. But the main the main point here that I'm trying to make is, why are you waiting to buy these games on the 360? Waiting for a sale? I mean, you know, you, you I, I, I kind of figured, much like with the PS3 store closure that didn't actually go through, that the Xbox 360 would have its digital storefront closed down, especially because there's a new Xbox store that will be probably, probably I don't know, maybe might confuse people in the future. I don't know. It's a, hard, it's a cold, harsh business decision. But in the end, it's probably going to happen eventually to most digital storefronts. And if you don't buy the games that you want back in the day and you've been waiting to buy them, as Phil Spencer said, go buy them. You have a year to do that. And I know there's a lot of game preservation stuff out there right now, especially with the, the completionist. He's done a lot of stuff with that. And I do really appreciate everything that he he's done to bring it to the forefront. And, and yes, there are a lot of games that, especially from the past, that we'll never be able to play in the future after this. You know, And, and there's a lot of games on older consoles that are stuck on those old consoles. Um, and right now we have the opportunity to buy those games that you want to buy or you want to play in the future. Not every game on this 220 games list are going to be games that you want to play. So buy the ones that you want to play now before Xbox 360 titles go up in price, before the store gets taken down, and before, you know, more stuff happens, you know. So I am on the side of keeping the store up. Don't get me wrong. I want to see the store still up in the future. But unfortunately, because it's a business and because it's a cold, calculated, saving money tactic, they're going to shut this stuff down, and they're giving you the they're giving you the ability to buy these games. Okay, it's not like they're shutting it down right now, but they. <laughs> it's one of those things. Like it's a it's a two sided, you know, it's a it's a it's a double double edged sword here. We're we're either going to keep the stuff on the store, and maybe people will go and still buy the games on the store, but. The double-edged sword part is like, hey, now that we're delisting it, people are going to actually buy the games that they're saying that they're going to buy for years and years and years, right? Maybe I'm wrong. But anyway, that's his take on that. Baldur's Gate 3, eventually it is coming to PlayStation and Xbox. They announced that there will be cross-saves between all three versions of the game. So Xbox, PS5, and PC will all have your accounts linked through the Lorian account system. So you'll be able to pick up your save from any system that you're designed to play on, whether it be PC, Xbox, or PlayStation, which is nice. Um, Baldur's Gate 3 has been confirmed for Xbox and PlayStation, um, as we already know. Uh, blah, 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 blah. Yada, yada, yada. So there you go. Nice, nice. I love that, that you can cross-save. That's going to be great for people who play on different platforms. And now we're getting into the what's coming soon section here. Uh, we got Alien Hominoid HD, which is 
a Flash game that was ported to like the GameCube and stuff like that back in the day, the PS2, now officially is getting a re-release with updated graphics and obviously updated platforms uh, coming from Behemoth. It's coming to Switch, Xbox, and Xbox Series X and S. I don't believe it's coming to PlayStation yet. Um, but, uh, yeah, uh, I love to see these old games come back, especially these Flash games that are kind of, like, goofy and crazy. You know, this is, I mean, Behemoth kind of started with these Flash games, like Alien Hominoid and stuff like that. So, definitely a cool nod to the past, and uh, I'm definitely going to be checking this out when it comes around. It's also coming to Steam as well. I, I, I forgot to mention that. It's coming to Steam. Star Wars Dark Forces is getting a remaster. It's been confirmed for Nintendo Switch so far. Um, I think it's also coming to PlayStation as well, I believe, and some other platforms. I'm not sure, though. I, I did not see the full reveal. But, um, yeah, essentially Dark Forces is a boomer shooter in the same vein as Doom or Duke Nukem and stuff like that back in the day. Uh, so Star Wars and Lucasfilm, or I'm sorry, LucasArts, decided to make a boomer shooter of their own. Uh, so, essentially, Kyle Katan, who, I mean... Yeah, they're remastering this. Is, is this canonizing Cal and Kyle? You know, I mean, come on. Uh, essentially, they've done a remaster of it. I mean, the original sprite work and stuff like that in the game doesn't look too different, but they completely redid the cutscenes for the game, which, honestly, when I originally saw them, I was, like, kind of off-put because, like, there's a, there's a certain charm to, like, the pixelized version of the original cutscenes. I mean, I understand why. I do understand why they updated them, obviously, but, uh, yeah, there's, there's a certain charm to those older cutscenes that, that kind of get lost when they update the graphics and stuff like that. But, um, looks like it's going to be a pretty fun port of the game. I don't know why they're calling it a remaster uh, completely. I mean, this is more of, like, a HD remaster, you know, remake or whatever, but, or, or an up-res, I should say, but... I guess you're calling a Reese Master at least gives it a unique name. Name, um, according to the description of the game, it will support 4K and 120 FPS, and advanced 3D rendering, modern Game Pass support, and a number of other modern features as well. It's coming to Steam as well. Um, so there you go. Should be kind of cool. Can't wait for that. Warhammer 40K Daka Squadron. This is coming to Switch. Uh, this is a plane game essentially. It's a linear plane game kind of like panzer dragoon where you are uh, flying around shooting other planes getting high scores and going through some incredibly well-designed environments um daka squadron this is going to be available soon on the nintendo switch um so yeah looks looks kind of fun um you know we've, we've had a, a, a few warhammer games come out recently that have kind of been like old school style i don't know if this is like a remake or something of the of an original game but it does it does look pretty fun i do i'll i will give it that so if you want to check out this action arcade flight game uh check out the trailer on red deer games's youtube channel cult of the lamb officially announced this don't starve together crossover and this is actually available now uh, in this crossover event, um, a new character for Cult of the Lamb called Web, Web, Webby, Weber, Weber is available, who's like a spider headed character. And then also the lamb from Cult of the Lamb is being put into, uh, Don't Starve Together. And both these games have officially been updated. So you are able to play the update or whatever. Now, um, this is a part of the Cult of the Lamb's first anniversary, uh, which adds a new penitence mode, which will have your lamb need to be which will have your lamb needing to eat and sleep in order to survive along with the follower. So, um, which is actually a pretty interesting update there. Um, so yeah, if you want to check that out, it's available right now. 
Jumanji is releasing a new game called Wild Adventures. I've played the other Jumanji game. It was pretty bad. It was a third-person cover shooter. Uh, this one is a th top-down beat-em-up, which is kind of interesting. Graphically, it does look a little bit better than the, pre the other games in the series so far. Um, and you use the same character, Dr. Smolder, Mouse, Professor Shelley, and Ruby. So it's not like you know, too different, but, uh, there's some puzzle platforming elements, some boss fights they showed off, and of course, it's a, you know, beat-em-up kind of game, and you earn coins and stuff like that to upgrade your characters, so, um, is it going to be better than the other games? I mean, maybe, maybe. This is coming the 3rd of November across, across the all platforms, so if you want to check it out, it does look better than the third-person shooter, but it's still a Jumanji game at the end of the day, and those have not have a good track record. <laughs> And finally for today, Nintendo has updated its Nintendo Switch Online Expansion Pack service with ExciteByte 64, which I'm very happy about. I did have ExciteByte back in the day, um, just like Wave Race before it. Um, I was very fond of this game back in the day, and uh, I can't wait to play around with it in the current day and age. Uh, this is going to be available on October, I'm sorry, August 30th. I'm so used to saying October, August 30th, if you want to check this out. Um, yeah, Nintendo has been kind of drip-feeding us content for the expansion pack, but I do like to see content, okay? <laughs> I, 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 I don't want to see them not release content for these services months and, you know, months and months and months in between releases. So anyone that's complaining about a single game every week or so, shut up. <laughs> or every month, I should say. I'm excited about Excitebike. It's a good addition to the service. Even though there are games that I would like to see as well, but uh, this is great. I love seeing this. So there we go. Excite by 64 coming August 30th. All right, y'all. Let's go ahead and move on to the final part of the show, which is everyone's favorite part, which is uh, what's that song? What's that tune? If you want to play with uh, play this game, all you gotta do is name the give me the song name and the game that's from in either the comments on the YouTube video or in the Discord in the Fair 64 section, and I will give you the coveted Super Reaction or Heart in the comments. Uh, and I will give you a congratulations as well. Um, no one got last week's song, which was Front End from the Revolt soundtrack. Very disappointing. Uh, but don't forget, you can ask for hints and tips in the in the Discord. So, you know, even if you don't know it exactly, you know, you can, you can always get some hints and maybe narrow it down. Um, unfortunately... You know, no one got it this week, but maybe someone will get it this week. Let's go ahead and, and listen to the snippet of this song right now. All right, if you know what that song is, give me the song name and the game is from, and I'll give you that super reaction. Or congratulations. Um, if you want to check out anything else I do, it's all at Yemi the Ferret on Twitch, YouTube, etc. X, I guess, etc. Um, so, uh, yeah, you know, if you want to check me out, I stream on Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday. We're still playing through God Hand right now. I think I'm getting kind of close to the end at this point, so that's exciting. And we're also going to be swapping around God Hand with Lords of the Fallen. I'm planning, I want to replay that or try and replay the game before the new one comes out just to give me some context because uh, I haven't played Lords of the Fallen in quite some time. So um, 
you know, it's one of those things that's like, all right, I'll try it. If I'm not vibing with it, I'll probably stop playing it. But uh, I do, I would like to have that little bit of comparison when the new game comes out. So we're going to be streaming that along with God Hand. And uh, I still have the Yummy the Ferret VODs channel. Uh, you can go back and watch any VODs from our streams. And also I do upload clips there uh, occasionally as well. Um, other than that, uh, everything else, like I said, is at Yummy the Ferret if you want to check me out. So uh, thank you. Also, Film Freaks with the Z, the other podcast I do. Uh, we talk about movies. The most recent episode is about Holes, which stars Shia LaBeouf. That's available right now. Uh, the next episode is going to be about Fast Five, but that'll be about two weeks away. So um, keep an eye out for that. All right, folks. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. I'll talk at you next week. I'm the Fair, and I'm out of here. So long. The Ferret 64 podcast is owned and edited by Yemi the Ferret. The song Nightshade, used in the intro and outro, is owned by Adhesive Wombat. Small sound clips during the podcast were made by Yemi the Ferret. News sources include NintendoLife.com, PushSquare.com, and PureXbox.com. All opinions video game related are my own. Thank you for listening.